And turn with me to the letter of the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus and to us, the church here in Dickinson. Ephesians chapter 5. Our text this morning will be verses 8 through 17, but let's back up and uh, begin in verse 1 of chapter 5 and let us hear the word of God. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which is not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the children or the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake! You who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly or accurately, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The grass withers, the, flo- the flower fades, but God's word abides forever. Amen? Amen. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you once again that you have granted us the privilege of hearing your, re- your word read, of having the Bible, that you are a God who communicates through various authors, including the Apostle Paul, that you're a God who speaks. And we pray that you would enable us to listen, to hear and respond appropriately, as we just sang. Speak, O Lord, and grant us the ability to hear. We thank you, Lord, for this application now of our position in Christ as children of God, And now this application, this call to walk in holiness in the fear of God. We pray that you would enable us to not only hear and forget, but to hear and to do 
would you say. Grant us that grace, we pray. Change us, and we will be changed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, we were talking earlier about Psalm 23. He, he is the good shepherd. And one of the phrases in that psalm is, he leads me in the paths, anyone remember the rest? Of righteousness for his name. We're called to follow Jesus. We've been talking a lot about that, haven't we? We follow Jesus for his sake, for his name's sake, that his name would be proclaimed, that people would see Jesus in our lives. Is that your commitment? Yeah, he's my Savior, but is he my Lord? Is he my shepherd? When I'm at work, do I, want, do I want, do I desire to have those coworkers that are blaspheming his name in front of me to know Jesus? That they're playing with something worse than an atomic bomb? We're talking about eternal damnation in hell? Do we care that Jesus' name is that why you are here? For his name's sake? Is that your heart? My, it's my prayer for you. We looked at last week the statement in verse 8. For you were once darkness. What is darkness? The absence of light. You had no light in yourself. You were pitch black. What happens if all if the sun were all the sun and the stars were to stop working? There would be pitch black. How long would life exist on earth? Not long at all. Life comes from light. You were once darkness. You were dead in trespasses and sins. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He shines in the darkness of this world, and that darkness does not comprehend or overcome him, according to the Gospel of John 1.5. You were once darkness, but now light in the Lord. Then an interesting thought again. That when you walk into a room, the light of Jesus Christ lights up that room. You ever thought of that? When you're at work, you're at home, you're in the grocery store, you're wherever, school, the light of Jesus Christ is shining there. You are a light bearer. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. Here, you are light in the Lord, in Jesus. And so what does he say? Well, if I am in the Lord... I am to walk as children of light. Isn't that an interesting statement? Yes, we're called children of God. But our identity is we're children of light. We were children of darkness. 
And now we're children of light. Walk in the light. Let the light shine. So we've been looking at walking in Jesus Christ, chapters 1 through 3. We, uh, the emphasis is on being seated in heavenly places in Christ. Now we're called to walk worthy, living the life in fellowship with Jesus. So that's what he's talking about. So what's my first point there? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. We find that here in verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. What are these unfruitful works of darkness? Well, he's been talking about them over and over again, hasn't he? He's been contrasting. You were once dead, now you're alive. You were once alienated from life and from God. Now you're reconciled through Jesus Christ. He has just been saying earlier in chapter 4, he went into, um, he says what we're not to walk in, verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the in the emptiness, the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts, who past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. Those are the unfruitful works of darkness. Again, in chapter 5, but... Fornication and, and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be named once among you as fitting those who are holy as saints. Neither filthiness, foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which is not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. So is it important what you do with your tongue? Is it important to God how you use your words, how you speak? Proverbs says life and death is in the power of the tongue. James, which we looked at a while back, talks about the tongue is able to set on fire things. The tongue is a fire-breathing dragon, in other words. Is what you say important to God? How about others? How often do you sin against your neighbor with your mouth? Some of the, I didn't go into this last week, but what about that foolish talking and coarse jesting? Maybe I should preach a sermon on that, right? Do we do that? Do we misuse our tongues? Is that sin? When we speak evil of others, when we judge others and speak evil, when we gossip, do we hate our sin? Do Are we aware? Out of the mouth proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adultery. Out of the heart, but then it's also expressed in the mouth. Yeah, Paul seems to think it's important. He brings it up, doesn't he? For no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Called to be holy. We're to have nothing in common have no fellowship, don't share in common the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. 
That's a tough thing to say. It's a tough thing to do. Will people shun you? If when someone takes the name of the Lord in vain and you say, don't do that, will, will that person say, thank you? Thank you for telling me to shut up. No. They'll mock you, right? Or worse. Have nothing in common with the unfruitful works of darkness. What about us? Do we have good works? Can you do a good work in the sight of God? There are some uh, people, uh, one fellow in particular I have in mind who no longer is with us on this earth, who said a born-again, regenerate Christian cannot do a good work. I would oppose him. I would disagree with that. Would the catechism oppose that? Does our Heidelberg Catechism talk at all about what a good work is? The answer is yes. If you don't know, question number... Anybody? Question number 91. Very good. Thank you. You're memorizing it. Thank you. All right. One of my favorite of many catechism questions. What are good works? Those only proceed from true faith and are done according to the law of God unto his glory and not such as rest on our own opinion or the commandments of men. So what is a good work? A good work has the right motivation. There it's stated as True faith. I trust in God. I believe in God. I trust him. I rest in him. My motivation is that God is working through me. Romans 14.23. Next, the right standard. God's law word. God's word. And finally, the right goal. For the glory and pleasure of God. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth. So how am I doing? How often do you evaluate your actions based on question number 91? When you're doing something, what's my motivation? Why am I doing this? Is it for me? What is my goal in doing this? Is it for me? What is the standard that I'm following? Is it my opinion? If any one of those is not according to those stated, true faith, the word of God, the glory of God, guess what? Is it a good work? No. So yes, many of the times we do good works in the sight of men, but not in the sight of God. Does that save us? No. Is Jesus' works, were they perfect? Were they good? Did he have the right motivation, the right goal, and the, follow the... Yes. And that's our righteousness before God. But that doesn't mean that we, like we said to the Arminian, no, that doesn't mean we just live like the world. No, we desire, and that's what he's saying, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, rather expose them, but walk in the light. How do we do that? One of the ways we do that is by self-examination. Look at verse 13. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. 
for whatever makes manifest this light. How often do you do a self-examination? Do you? When you're doing your devotions, when you're reading the Bible, or when you're stopping thinking or praying, do you ever actually run down and say, how am I doing? How am I doing following Jesus? Am I biting and devouring my fellow sheep next door? How am I doing with my speech, with my heart? Here Paul says, we're to examine. We're to allow God's word to expose our hearts so that he may take it away. Notice in verse 14, he says, wake up. You who are sheep, put off. Arise from the dead. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and Christ will give you life. So have no unfellowship, things in common, with the unfruitful works of darkness. So he starts off in negative in that sense again. This is what we have been redeemed from. This is not who we are anymore. But then he also gives us encouragement, and that's the second point, through the abiding, active work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 9 and 10. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Here again, we have that contrast. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but walk as children of light, for in doing so, we're walking in grace. We're walking in the abiding, active work of the Holy Spirit. Remember, what does it say there? It's the fruit of the Christian or the fruit of the Spirit that you produce or that is produced in your life. Yours or the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and so on, right? Who gets the glory for the fruit? The Spirit, right? He gets the credit. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that the goal? Is the glory of God, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God? And that does that include the Holy Spirit? Again, when was the last time you said, thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me do this? That you acknowledge his presence, his working, his power. Do you ever do that? Do you ever... Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. But do you ever, uh, I'm starting to sound like a charismatic here. Um, but do you ever say thank you? Do you? Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me on that test in school. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me not damage my knuckle while I'm tightening this bolt here. And I normally, you know what I'm talking about? Thank you for helping me be able to play the piano. The fruit of the Spirit, in other words, is the result of the Spirit's work. Do you believe the Holy Spirit's working in your life? Do you? Do you believe he's abiding with you? Does the Bible say that? The Holy Spirit puts up with you and lives with you and abides with you? 
Does it say in the Bible that we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God? Well, he has to be there to be grieved, right? Are we called to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh? The answer is yes. Charles Hodge, in his commentary, as he's looking at that verse um, 8 we talked about, for you were sometimes darkness, but now light in the Lord, walk as children of light. He says, as light stands for knowledge, and as knowledge in the scriptural sense of the word produces holiness, and holiness produces happiness, so darkness stands for ignorance. Such ignorance is inevitably, produce, inevitably produces sin and sin misery. Therefore, the expression, you were once darkness, means you were ignorant, polluted, and wretched. But now you are children, or you are light in the Lord. That is, because of your union with Christ, you are enlightened, sanctified, and blessed. Walk as children of the light. That is, the children of holiness and truth. Enlightened, sanctified, and blessed. Are those the fruit of the Spirit? Being able to, oh, I'm looking at the situation from a biblical perspective. I can see clearly things that I wouldn't see in darkness. Is Christ, is the Spirit working to make me holy? Do I hate my sin? Now, we must remember that Christ is our righteousness. So we come back to that again. We, our righteousness is his filthy rags, but Christ is our righteousness. Paul, when writing to the Corinthians in chapter 1, verse 30, says the following. But of him, that is Christ, uh, or of, of the Father, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. That as it is written, he glories, let him glory in the Lord. Christ is our righteousness before God. Christ is our holiness. Christ is our redemption, Paul said. And he sent the Holy Spirit who then applies the work of Christ for us. We call it salvation. Are you saved? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? That salvation is in Christ, not in you. And the Holy Spirit applies that work of Christ. Praise God for that. Does he do it once and then walks away or flies away or whatever? Departs? No. He abides with us forever. What's the Holy Spirit doing right now in your life? Producing fruit. At least that's what Paul is desirous to see. God desires to see. The Holy Spirit continues to work in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. Paul earlier in chapter 2 verse 10 says, We are his work of art, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You ever think of yourself as a work of art? We've talked about this before. Are you a work of art by the master craftsman, the master painter, painting your life? Work of art. It will glorify God for all eternity. Isn't that a nice thought? We are his poema. We are his masterpiece. 
created in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit is doing that work, making us more like Christ, chipping away what needs to be chipped away. There is a passage that in the parallel uh, letter of Paul is in is uh, Colossians. Uh, he makes a statement, a phrase that just strikes me, and I hope it does you. Verse 10 of, verse, uh, of Colossians. He said that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. But I don't know about you, but to me, that just strikes me. Fully pleasing him. Does that blow your mind? That I can do something that fully pleases God. No, maybe it's just me. Um, that blows my mind. That I can do something that God is, says, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that what we want to hear in heaven? That, that can actually, I can do something right now on earth that fully pleases him. That's Paul's prayer to the, of the Colossians. Again, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is part of his prayer for us. The Spirit does that work. Again, in our passage, he talks about righteousness. In chapter 4, verse 24, we read, and, be, uh, and that you put on the new man, which is created according to God in righteousness and holiness of the truth. The fruit of the Spirit is righteousness, goodness, holiness, truth. These are the fruits. Are you a man or woman of truth? Is your word your bond? When you say something, do you swear to your own hurt? In this world, that's peculiar. Used to be the normal thing. You didn't have to have contracts, right? In the olden days, you just your word is always necessary. Now we have to have it in triplicates, right? We have to get it notarized and so on, right? No. I am of the truth. My words are true. I speak the truth in love. That is the fruit of the Spirit. So how do we do it? Well, he goes on to talk about, in the third point, through the wisdom of the Lord. What is wisdom? Wisdom, as we've, been we've talked about in the past, what is wisdom? Skill for living. It needs, it's based on knowledge and understanding. What Paul says is, what is our wisdom? What is your wisdom? Believer in Jesus Christ, what is your wisdom? Paul says Christ is our wisdom. Christ is our skill for living. If I am following the good shepherd, as he leads me in the paths of righteousness, he teaches me the right things to do, wise things to do, through his word, by his spirit. Christ is the wisdom of God, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 30. So, what is Paul saying here? Conduct your life with care according to God's wisdom in Christ. Okay, That's basically the application here. 
conduct your life in wisdom. Well, how can I do that? Well, learn it. I'm going to ask for a show of hands. How many here have ever read the book of Proverbs? Okay, I have a few people. You've read through the whole book of Proverbs at least once. Okay, how many of you uh, have read it at least once a year? A couple, okay. How many, I, I won't ask for how many have never read it. Um, what is Proverbs? It's skill for living. Is it important? We talk about skilled trades. How about skills for life? They're short, pithy. Many of the Proverbs are short, pithy statements. Go to the ant, you sluggard. You're a lazy person. Hey, I'm a guy. I'm lazy. No, just me. Okay, I'm lazy. So what does it say? Hey, sluggard, go to the ant. See how she works all day. She doesn't have a captain to tell her what to do. She works hard every day. Go to the ant. We practice a lot of, of Proverbs. We practice hard work, right? But do we know where the source of that principle is? Well, we call it the Protestant work ethic. Well, it's Proverbs. Are you informing yourself in the wisdom of God? When was the last time you read the book of Job? How about Ecclesiastes? These are wisdom literature. They are results in the meditation on God's word and the results on meditation of life. Paul brings in just one simple one. There in verse 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time. How are you doing on your time management? Your use of time. Time is a resource, right? We all have the same number of minutes in a day, right? How are you doing on managing that time? How much time do you waste that you're not, that's not somehow tangibly connected with Christ? He says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. That's a challenge in itself, isn't it? Right? How much time... <laughs> You know, the amazing thing about these tool, this tool is how much time it is takes away from your life, right? Wake up in the morning and, oh, I've got these emails and, and all of that, but then I start looking at all of the news flashes and is it just me? How many hours a day do I spend unnecessarily? that I didn't, let's say 20 years ago, that I didn't spend on this. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. Paul talks about love in action. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's love in action. All right, you guys, you hung on. Thank you for your patience. Let's draw, what's the favorite word? In conclusion. <gasps> so in conclusion, Jesus is our good shepherd. He is our righteousness. He is our right standing before God. 
but he is also our guide and friend who loves us and leads us to glory. Do you care? Does that make a difference in your life that Jesus is my guide and he's my friend? He will never leave me or forsake me. He loves me more than I love myself. How do I know? Go look at the cross. He loves us and he's leading us to glory.